modern businesses rely on applications, and they rely on continued innovation in those applications to drive their business. But as these applications evolve and become more complicated, testing them also becomes more challenging. Testing applications at scale is not an easy task. Today, we're going to look at a company focused on easing the burden of testing applications at scale. Are you ready? Let's go. This is the Modern Digital Business Podcast, the technical leader's guide to modernizing your applications and digital business. Whether you're a business technology leader or a small business innovator, keeping up with the digital business revolution is a must. Here to help make it easier with actionable insights and recommendations, as well as thoughtful interviews with industry experts, Lee Acheson. Modern businesses rely on applications. They rely on continued innovation in those applications to drive their business. This drive for innovation creates a need for improved techniques for validating that an application will work as expected. But constant innovation means constant chance for problems, and testing applications at scale is not an easy task. This is where SpeedScale comes into play. SpeedScale assists in stress testing applications by recreating real-world traffic loads in the test environment. Nate Lee is co-founder of SpeedScale, and he is my guest today. Nate, welcome to Modern Digital Business. Thanks, Lee. Glad to be here. You know, I think we finally have this worked out <laughs> after a couple of delays and an internet outage. I think we're finally going to do this podcast, don't you? What, what do you yeah. think? Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's always exciting, uh, eventful, uh, leading up to something like this. But uh, yeah, with the... Uh, power outages and um, we're, we're recording this uh, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, so the holiday season, everybody's kind of hectic. Um, a lot of our customers are retail, so they're going through code freezes and trying to make sure, you know, hold their breath, uh, tap their head, you know, rub their belly to make sure nothing goes down in, in such a critical time. But I, then, hey. Uh, I remember those days at a, in Amazon retail and this time of the year was always a uh... A very busy time and yeah, a lot of holding your breath. You you didn't do much change, but everyone was really busy. It was a very busy time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, I, got, I got a funny story about Amazon and the holiday rush period. We were talking to, um, I think it was Heavybit, um, one of the venture capital firms that kind of specialize on, on Kubernetes um, dev tools. And um, one of the gentlemen were telling us that um, they were they were at Amazon working on SRE stuff and, and we're like, how are we gonna get ready for the holiday season? Like we we have to run like a gigantic load test and it's it's kind of speaks to the genesis of speed scale, right? It's very difficult to run these sorts of um, high traffic situations without a perfect carbon copy replica of production, right? Because right, you know, right. a lot of a lot of the load and whether can I handle it or not is, is critical on on having production like uh, hardware. So they said, well, what if we run a gigantic sale uh, and uh, we can basically just simulate what we're going to be encountering in production and during the holiday season. And so they were like, yeah, that's a good idea. What are we going to call it? And they decided to call it Prime Day. So <laughs> when you have Amazon Prime Day, which is it's pretty pretty big deal, right? Um, that's really just a veiled dress rehearsal for uh, Black Friday season and Christmas holiday shopping. Uh, but, you know, like 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 a few of the ideas that that Amazon put through it actually ended up being a huge barn burner of an event. Yeah, Prime Day came after I left. Um, let's see, I left Amazon in 
2011, I think. Okay. And, and, well, definitely one of the things we always used to do is we always um, had uh, days where it's like, what happens if we take this data center offline? And then what happens mm -hmm. if we cut this cable? We do that sort of testing in production all yeah. the time. The theory was everything should continue to work at scale with no issues whatsoever, but we had to do it yeah. in production. You know, it's, it's the only way to, um, to get that volume of traffic until we have someone like SpeedScale. Why don't you tell us a little bit exactly what SpeedScale is and what it does? Yeah, so, so SpeedScale is a production traffic replication service. And uh, we help engineers simulate production conditions using actual traffic. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's kind of been a long history of these sorts of tools. Um, you, I think you were referring to Chaos Monkey, that, you know, the Simian Army, I think it had come from the Netflix days where they were randomly executing these daemons to take down services um, and then seeing what fails. And then, of course, Gremlin's got a productized version of um, specifically focusing on chaos, right? Running these game bays um, and experiments to take down um, aspects of the servers. And I think they're tiptoeing around how do I how do I run these experiments, but also not affect production, right? Exactly. Uh, yes. But SpeedScale's approach is slightly different, and we actually capture the traffic and then allow you to run that traffic in a safe manner in lower environments. So another way to think about this is shifting left of uh, what you're, what you're going to encounter in production, but do it in a safe way in these, in these lower environments. So um, you record production traffic and then replay it in a staging or a test environment. Basically that's right. Doing. A lot of this is possible now because of the advent of cloud environments, right? right. You can spin right. up these ephemeral environments. And that was always a promise of cloud was, you know, just use what you need and, uh, and, and, and spin up these environments at a moment's notice. And um, I think the reality of it is, well, these environments are expensive. Uh, they, they actually can skyrocket in cost. And they don't actually um, stay up ephemerally. We end up keeping them on for long periods of time, right? Uh, and, and people uh, are actually, especially given the current economic state, are looking for ways to reduce their cloud costs. Yeah. Your customers really are building modern or have modern applications, modern application development. I'm talking about things like cloud native applications. They're in undoubtedly cloud-based applications where they can do these replicated environments um, a, a lot easier. So in, in that sort of mindset, what challenges do you find exist for your customers in managing those applications? What are the, some of the problems they come to you with? Yeah, you know, um, I think that's kind of the key um, qualifiers. What do our customers come with? There, there are a variety of challenges in developing in modern cloud, you know, security is always of paramount concern and, um, you know, making sure that uh, scale is proper, but our customers typically are coming to us with the specific challenge of environments. And, and that's something that's um, been, been kind of a common thread that we've noticed. Um, environments themselves aren't the issue. Um, when I say environments more specifically, I mean, the data and the, and the downstream constraints of those environments. So uh, they can always spin up just a carbon copy replica of production and, and a full end-to-end -end environment at a lower scale, right? Um, but even if you do that, 
the problem is that uh, a it's expensive because there's so many moving parts and, and databases and stuff like that. But b if it's not seeded with the proper data that they need in order to exercise their applications, it's really quite useless. And and data that's and where traffic. the challenge. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So so how are my clients hitting my app that I'm trying to test? And uh, how does my app send these downstream calls to to the third party backends or the or the the systems of record or the other internal APIs? And and what do those systems need to be seeded with data wise in order to respond accurately? So capturing state, managing item potence, it becomes a huge headache actually. And um, that that's one of the reasons why we had developed SpeedScale is we want the engineers to be able to come into a self-service portal and understand, okay, what does my app do? Like, how does it behave currently? And then how do I recreate this situation um, in, in a cloud native environment without a lot of hassle? The current state of the art is usually um, using a conventional tool, like uh, something that can actually recreate the transactions. And, and on a very simple level, it could be something like Postman or Insomnia. Yeah. Um, at a more sophisticated level, maybe you're you're replaying large large uh, reams of traffic using something like K6. Um, but again, what we hear typically is going on is you're doing those sorts of transactions and exercising your application in a full staging environment where everybody else is using it at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. And so you don't know if somebody's pushed their alpha version of an application in, and you're getting these failures because somebody is, you know, doing some tests at the same time you are, or if you truly do have a bug and you should be paying attention to it and fixing it. Um, and uh, yeah, so so specifically backend environments, the right sorts of data, and then also simulating the inbound calls into your application. Those are the challenges we typically see um, in, in modern cloud development. And, and it's really about having the accuracy, right? Um, because if, if you're focusing on just one area uh, or one type of transaction, like you know, gold medallion members, when you're really trying to test platinum medallion members, right? It, it, you could be missing a lot of code coverage. So you, I imagine the typical QA development environment is kind of what you were describing where kind of chaos is going on because everyone's doing everything in it. But yeah. you know, in, a, in like a full CICD pipeline where you might have a let's do a validation at scale test as part of mm -hmm. the pipeline. I imagine in that case um, you could spin up, you could afford to spin up for a short period of time, a full fledged production environment, use something like speed scale to, to, um, to execute, to test the environment at scale and make sure nothing works as not anticipated. But I imagine the problem with that sort of scenario though is as you're making deployments and making changes, exactly what the script is from speed scale, the scripted um, traffic that you're getting in will change as time goes on. How do you keep that up to date? Do you constantly take new scripted traffic and replay that? Is that how you do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really kind of shifting the paradigm. So the, the way speed scale was developed, um, we've all got backgrounds in companies like New Relic and Observe Inc. And, uh, ITKO that really kind of founded the concept of service virtualization, which is a fancy way to say service mocking. But with that background, we inherently understood that it's really slow 
to uh, develop these scripts. So we don't actually take a script-based approach in running this traffic. What we actually do is we run traffic snapshots. So what we're doing is, since we are capturing all this traffic, we develop a snapshot um, and generate three things. One is the inbound traffic. We generate like a script, if you will. It's really just a JSON snapshot file is what we call it. And there's no actual scripting involved. It's auto-generated from real traffic. Uh, a key point in this uh, for the listeners is we are redacting PII as we are capturing the traffic because you don't want to be you know, spewing uh, sensitive information when you're replaying it. So data loss prevention is actually a very big piece of this. Um, but anyways, so the snapshots are auto-generated as well as um, from the traffic, we can kind of reverse engineer what backends you need in order to exercise a particular API. So, so not only do we um, generate a traffic snapshot you can replay of the inbound traffic, but we also generate a mock server in a pod, if you will. And that mock server in a pod can be spun up. And what this really does is, is vastly uh, narrow the scope of the environment that you need to spin up. So we're actually just spinning up N plus one and N minus one we're spinning up your API and only its neighbors instead of the whole full, full blown end to end environment. And so it's like a little microcosm of your API, but your API for all intents and purposes thinks it's in a fully integrated end to end environment. But you're essentially doing this service by service level versus an application level. So you're not really, you're not yeah. scripting user traffic into the system. You're scripting traffic into a particular service in and out of the service and, and the data that goes with it. So you can, you only have to bring up the service and what's around it and you don't have to bring up the entire application. Well, you really only need to bring up just the app and we're and SpeedScale is taking care of the rest really. Yeah. Right. Um, so we're scripting all the inbound traffic for you. There's no scripting involved. You basically, we, we have what's called traffic viewer and you use that to browse the type of traffic you want to invoke. Um, and once you select the traffic that you want to invoke, we basically take a look at all the traffic around it and say, okay, well, when you run this call inbound, as a result of that, your application calls, you know, a Dynamo database and then these other two APIs. And then you make a call to a third party. I don't know. Let's say it's Stripe or Google Maps or something like that. And so we will automatically generate a mock server uh, based off of reverse engineering how your app works and make sure everything is there that you need. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's, you, you got it. The, the concept is we're just virtualizing your neighbors so that you can do consistent scientific, uh, dry runs of, of your API as part of CI and, and, but it's also a huge reduction in cloud costs because you're not spinning up a big end to end environment of literally everything right. that right. is included in your app every time. And, and, and to be honest, that's also sometimes not possible because of the connections that you do have to third parties. Almost everybody integrates with like a payment provider or maybe like a background check organization or um, a mapping solution or a messaging solution that's a third party. And so, so many times uh, these wires that hang out of the cloud, uh, as I call them, uh, those are difficult to, to simulate. Uh, you have to call the vendor and ask for a sandbox and if you want to do a load test, forget it. You know, that's not going to go to 100 TPS, right? They're just standing up right. the sandbox to give you, you know, 
onesie twosie transactions. Functional Whereas, testing, not uh, performance testing or anything like that. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. But if we're simulating that using um, traffic to, to auto-generate a mock server and a pod for you, uh, the, 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 the possibilities go up from there. Cool, cool. Now, I, I can see how this works for APIs um, and you can include database ac activities such as to DynamoDB uh, DB as an API call essentially is what it is. But what about native mm -hmm. databases or native data that's stored in the service? You know, like a MySQL database might be part of the service or, or um, cache or Redis cache or something like that. Do you simulate those as well? Or how do you, uh, what do you do in those cases? Yeah. So, um, for Redis, we can actually uh, see the traffic going through it, but we can't simulate it. Um, for other data sources, um, we do have ongoing support developing for like things like Postgres and MongoDB. Um, we've got the full list of supported technologies on our documentations page, which is docs.speedscale.com. But um, really the beauty with um, being able to provision these um, backends, if they're API-based, Right. Usually it's all fairly standard. If you communicate to a system of record via API, we can also handle that. Something like Elasticsearch, for example. Uh, but if it is a local data source or, or something like MySQL, which uh, or sorry, uh, MS SQL, that's got like a proprietary um, non-open standard, you would probably want to provision that locally uh, by yourself as part of that uh, kind of simulated microcosm. So. Um, with most of these cloud native environments, you can specify either like, you know, the environment script or, 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 or the, um, the YAMLs to properly stand those things up in addition to the speed scale simulations. Makes sense. Let's talk about resiliency a little bit. You know, resiliency is, it, it's, an, it's an interesting aspect when it comes to cloud-based applications, you know, because the DNA of the cloud is the cloud is designed to break, right? I mean, if mm -hmm. the whole fundamental aspect of the cloud is if a service a server isn't working right, just terminate and restart it. And, <clears throat> and that mindset extends throughout the entire cloud ecosystem where everything is designed to be, re, you know, with, uh, with retry, with, with a redundancy built in so that you can lose components, components can go away, come back, and your entire system as a whole continues to work. What does SpeedScale do to help with that sort of resiliency testing? Are, are there ways you can simulate those sorts of, of environments? Yeah, yeah, to an extent. I mean, uh, well, first of all, before I jump, jump into that, I, I think um, a lot of people have kind of a false level of comfort with the, the resiliency that's, that's inherently built into the cloud. I think what people realize is, oh, look, the 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 you know the startup times of the lambda serverless instances are actually quite long and how do we get past that right or hey horizontal pod auto scaling rules actually take quite a little a while to understand that hey a pod is down and then spin up another pod like it, it waits and it retries a couple times and meanwhile you know you're bleeding thousands of dollars right. <laughs> uh, because you know your your mobile ordering app is down so i think it's a little bit of false sense of comfort um or, or protection and um that's what we can really help simulate and and what we do with that is again it's we're capturing traffic um in order to understand how users run your application but once we do have that traffic your engineers can multiply that traffic 
um, and, and empowering the engineers to run these what if scenarios. Like what if I had a hundred X traffic or what if I had, you know, a thousand X traffic for 30 seconds um, and run more of a soaker, soaker sanity test. Um, this is all things that are available with a few mouse clicks once we have that baseline of traffic. Um, and the traffic captures kind of how your, your application is exercised as well as, again, we've got the necessary backends ready to be spun up in a mock server. So it's kind of like a turnkey simulation that you can run. Uh, and so when people do have DR rules or HPA rules, um, they can actually verify that things are going to, to fail over as expected or scale as expected. Another aspect within resiliency that, that um, production simulation can help catch is um, your resource consumption. So if you're making logic changes to your, your services and, um, or, or you make this calculation change and for some reason, let's say it causes CPU to skyrocket or it causes, you've got a memory leak in your code and it, it begins to ro rise over time. Um, the state of the art in catching issues like that really is to, to just go ahead and release and then pay really close attention to Datadog or New Relic or AppDynamics, right? And, and rely on those observability tools to give you an early warning. And then it's kind of all hands on deck reacting or, or trying to shut down that pod over and over again whenever it starts creeping up. Those sorts of changes can be actually proactively caught by you know running these traffic simulations. So by simulating the inbound traffic in the mock server pods, those are your controls. And really the only thing that changes is your application as you make changes. And that's another kind of reason not to use these crowded, um, chaotic staging environments mm -hmm. is because there's so much noise in the system and other people are doing things and um, staging can break quite frequently. I, I know you've written actually about this. Um, yep. <laughs> and, and so, that's another kind of argument to using these um, production simulations in a very kind of sterilized lab environment, if you will. And you know, the only thing that's changing is your code. So it's, it's a way to consistently iterate and experiment, make changes. And so that's another way you could improve your resiliency is um, you can make sure that you're optimizing all the resources at hand and you're not, you know, <laughs> irresponsibly allocating memory and then just hoping that horizontal pod auto scaling rules or the cloud scalability will cover for you, right? You might not be economical with your code. Right, right. That makes sense. You, you can also do controlled failures too, right? You can do game day testing, if you will, during these simulation runs. So you can see what happens, yeah. you know, your, your, your normal traffic works fine, but what happens if three servers go down while that's going on? DR rules you're talking about certainly cover that, but, but this is kind of a way of interjecting what if scenarios and to get even useful information that you can feed back to the development org about, hey, it didn't quite work the way we expected to in this scenario. What if we change the rules a little bit and adjust things so it's higher likelihood of success? That's right. Yeah. Um, we can, we can, you know, generate the inbound traffic into, you know, just an API. But you can also just use that in isolation. You can use our traffic generation capabilities to hit you at the front door, like an ingress or an API gateway, and test your entire application. So you can actually piecemeal out the solutions, um, which is like, you know, we've got the traffic generation piece and the mock server piece. So some people spin up our mocking pod and just leave it on full time because they need uh, to, to simulate the third party components. Um, 
that's the cool part about having the traffic patterns as a snapshot is once we do have the traffic, we can play with the traffic. So we can start to slow things down. So we can say, hey, we're mocking uh, Stripe. Uh, what if Stripe goes down? Then we can just tell that traffic replay to be a black hole and not respond. We can also tell it to respond with 20 second latency. Um, and then you can oh, start checking, cool. is, does my application uh -huh. time out gracefully? Uh, does it wait the whole time? We can also speed up the traffic. I've actually heard of cases of applications failing because the backends get improved and they start responding right. faster. And then your application then becomes the bottleneck and starts crashing. So even as a development tool, right? This is, um, you know, when, you, when you're trying to build your application and build the resiliency in, or you're trying to build the scenarios in, you can take the scripted language in your development environment and, and fool around with it and do different things. I, I'm assuming these are all rational use cases for speed scale, yeah. is that correct? That, yeah, exactly. They're out of the box kind of. And then, and again, just to, just to reemphasize, uh, while under the hood, we are developing, you know, JSON and scripts and stuff, uh, there's no scripting involved. It's literally just a UX dashboard where you peruse all the API level calls that we've been picking up and desensitized. And you can see basically the ins and outs of all the traffic of a particular API you're trying to test. You tell us, hey, I want to generate a snapshot and I wanted this snapshot to have this set of inbound traffic that you're going to rerun and also this set of mocked traffic that I want to run. And you get this kind of turnkey ephemeral environment, lab environment that you can run over and over again. If production happens to update, then you can just go out and grab another set of traffic, right? The paradigm's completely changed now. There's no scripting involved. There's no maintenance of this script and updating the script like normal kind of testing organization would take a look at it. It's literally go out, grab a new snapshot, wait two minutes for it to be auto-generated and then run that new snapshot. Or it can be automated via GitHub Actions or API call. You can say, hey, grab the last 15 minutes of traffic, run it again. Uh, and and it, it can all be done as part of the CI pipeline as well. Yeah, so I, one of your use cases is, like you said, CI, CD pipelines. Another use case mm -hmm. is development. Another use case I'm assuming is uh, QA departments who just want to see what happens if scenarios, and they just poke around and make changes dynamically just to try to see what's going on, whether that's a QA department, as I said, or if it's the development organization going through a QA process, it doesn't matter. But it's a, yeah. it's a step to validate. So I imagine, so those are like three distinct use cases, an automated pipeline, a QA doing random testing and development using it to harden the application or the, even in part of the development process itself. Are there other mm -hmm. use cases that are not represented by those three that this, this, this is useful for? Yeah. Yeah. There's um, within those three use cases. I mean, I guess you could uh, break it up into specific phases of testing. I mean, it could the traffic replays can really be curated in a way uh, where you're checking for functionality or contract changes, right? Um, right? You can look at it more as like an integration test. You can also multiply the traffic and look at it more as a load test. So that's where the concept gets interesting is load testing at a regular interval as part of CI. Um, so I've heard people call it performance assurance. Uh, I've heard people call it continuous performance testing. 
um, once you integrate, and, and really the linchpin to all of that is the mocks. Because mm -hmm. when you're doing load testing, typically everybody has to be finished with their application code, like the, their particular piece of it, right? And then they have to curate it in a performance environment that's you know one-tenth the size of staging so they can extrapolate the results and multiply it by 10. But now if we're mocking the back ends and they're performing and they can do a thousand TPS, um, then really that constraint goes away. Um, and, and now you can understand, well, this one piece, this payment API or this fulfillment API I'm working on needs to go up to 800 transactions per second. You can do that uh, without having to wait for the full end-to-end -end environment, without having to tell the DBA, hey, I'm gonna be hammering the database, You know, please don't get mad at me kind of thing. Um, and so that can all be done and done in a self-service way now. You've written about like all these different microservice teams that are disparate and, and siloed. And they, but they all have to be communicating tightly, right? And you've written about the ability for them to have some sort of self-service way to understand how they interconnect with everybody and also understand the integrations and then spin up these environments. And, and so SpeedScale literally does that. It allows somebody to jump into this API or that API, view the traffic, and we'll show them a service map of how they fit into the ecosystem. And then if they say, well, I wanna run this, I wanna exercise my application, they can actually just grab the traffic that's relevant to them. Um, and so in that way, we've actually, beyond just like the CI as a development enablement and then the, the QA testing, kind of what if testing that they can do, they can also take that traffic and point it at different endpoints, right? So they can actually do performance benchmarking. One of the stories that we've had from a customer is like, you know, they were like Graviton, Google came out with the new Graviton processors and they were like, well, is that really gonna be any faster than what we're currently on? And so they were able to benchmark like, well, this is business as usual traffic. Let's test it on the Google Graviton processor. And they did find out that there was like a X percent faster throughput. Um, oh, cool. And so they ended Yeah. So you can use it to, to benchmark in a conventional load testing sense. Um, there's also the, the use case that I call parity testing um, to check for parity. And uh, when you're doing migrations like from EC2 to Kubernetes, um, if your application fundamentally is going to remain the same, but you're just replatforming, you could capture business as usual traffic coming into your EC2 app. And then once you're done platforming, like moving to Kubernetes, you can do a sanity check. And before you, you know, fork all the traffic over and kind of do the grand opening, you can run the old traffic that you would normally get to EC2, run it against Kubernetes platform and say, hey, am I getting the same response times? Are things scaling properly? Did the functionality get preserved as we moved over? And the last, just the last piece actually is um, in particular when you're doing like Docker environment development or that you can run like Docker locally on your laptop or you, Docker Compose, Minikube, MicroKates, Kind. And so all of these concepts, all these mock server pods, traffic generator pods can actually be spun up locally on your laptop. So now, there's an argument for like, hey, I don't need the full-blown end-to-end environment. I can just simulate my neighbors, get SpeedScale to generate those pods, and then run them locally on my laptop. That's one of the biggest complaints I hear about microservice architectures is the development, the laptop development environment is so difficult to set up and manage. And this, this is a tool that will help make that a lot easier. 
Yeah. Can yep. that be we done could, yeah. offline as well, or is it still only an online tool? So we're about to launch a command line version of this that is, uh, is, it doesn't require an internet connection. So it'll be free and you can generate those pods and then run them locally in like a mini cube environment, something like that. So you t- talked a little bit about what motivated you to start Speedscale, but why you? Why, why did you start Speedscale? We're writing device drivers, and uh, Matt had actually developed a. Uh, it was basically like a, what would we call it? Um, like a visual kind of driver development kit that allowed us to develop these drivers more quickly. And then Ken developed a simulator that would. It was like kind of like a stub code harness that you could drop the driver in and it would test the out the input and outputs to it so all three of us have kind of been in this mindset of like you know better testing faster development and those two got into the observability space first with wiley introscope uh and then new relic and observe inc um <clears throat> meanwhile i kind of took a different path i i had actually um been with itko actually ken had worked at itko he's the one who pulled me in but ITKO had developed this concept of service virtualization. And that was back in the SOA days where there's just a huge mix of like legacy queuing technologies like MQ and TIPCO and AMQP. And then there was just, you know, SOAP services were just becoming a thing. So developing these service mocks was a hugely complex affair. You had to, you know, redirect WAS servers and bounce them and, and do a lot of networking to get these mocks up and running. Um, and we had always been in, uh, kind of uh, enamored with the concept, but really dissatisfied with the process of developing these service mocks because done properly, they're a huge enabler. Uh, they're a huge value add because they can accelerate um, the dev process. You can develop in parallel, you can simulate all these conditions and so on and so forth. But service mocks kind of have a bad reputation because you usually have to hand script the responses one by one. If you want a backend to simulate whatever, you have to seed it with the right data. It has to be onesie twosie programmed to respond. So uh, this is a long winded way of saying um, when the cloud came about Kubernetes and cloud data warehouse storage, we realized, oh, we can do this very quickly. There's proxies. Uh, there's always there's already network taps that we can take advantage of. And then we can use the traffic to train the models. And once the, the mock pods and, and the inbound traffic uh, c- can be simulated, the rest of it is just an orchestration problem. And, you know, with Terraform scripts, Helm charts and YAMLs, all that stuff is pretty, pretty well known as well. So it was, it was a matter of desire and background. And then the, the cloud data technology has actually just been a huge enabler. So that uh, you put it all together and, and the timing was right. Yeah. Yeah. And I've known, Ken for many years, but uh, so glad I, I met you guys and uh, and this I'm really excited to see what you guys are, are going to accomplish as, uh, as you go along. So the natural question that always comes up at this time of year is what's next year like? And so uh, what are your plans for next year? What are you going to do in 2023? And for wh- what does SpeedScale look like in 2023? Yeah, you know, we've been working with some great partners uh, in 2022 and really refining the ergonomics of the product. And it's been a huge kind of developer productivity accelerator. 2023, we're going to release a, full, a free version of SpeedScale. We know kind of what aspects that people love, and uh, we just wanted to be careful about <clears throat> understanding where the the, the real you know 
exceptionally useful features are and then what 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 of those features could be command line driven which of those actually need like a full-blown ui um, so the freemium tool is going to be mostly command ba command line based um, but once you start needing uh you know enterprise level things like single sign-on and more sophisticated uh redaction and visual reports that's when you would you know kind of have a paid tier so we expect the free tier to be uh, a great value add for engineers that that need mocking and traffic generation. And then there's also going to be a lot of them around kind of publicizing speed scale from a marketing perspective. We help to uh, really kind of listen to the engineering community and understand uh, where we can provide the most lift and uh, iterate quickly to to develop those features in. But already we're we're getting stories of you know taking two week load testing sprints down to three hours and improving API performance by 30x. And we just want to continue that. So, so if any listener is interested in learning more about SpeedScale, where should they go? Yeah, they could just go to speedscale.com, uh, spelled exactly like it sounds, uh, one word. Uh, we also have a community on slack.speedscale.com where they can talk directly to the founders or the engineers, ask questions. Um, and then if you go to speedscale.com slash free dash trial, they're able to, to download the product and try it um, locally um, for free. And I'll make sure those links are in the show notes as well, too, so people can see them there. So great. So um, anything else you want to add before we we, uh, we wrap it up here? And uh, we managed to make it all the way through the episode without losing the internet again. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, anything no, else you I want mean, to say? You, no, no, that was it. Always a pleasure to, to talk and, uh, you know, um, kind of commiserate over the technical problems of modern cloud with you, Lee. It's always great. Definitely. I love to love talking with you, Nate. Thank you. My guest today has been uh, uh, Nate Lee, who is the co-founder of SpeedScale. Nate, thank you very much for joining me on Modern Digital Business. Thanks for listening to the Modern Digital Business Podcast hosted by Lee Atchison. Know a fellow technology leader and innovator struggling to make their business transition to a digital one? Encourage them to head to mdb.fm forward slash listen to subscribe to this podcast. Or visit leeatchison.com to learn more about Lee and his team. thousand of your peers have in common? They've all boosted their skill set and career prospects by taking one of my online courses. Go to mdb.fm slash courses. Join your 100,000 close friends and peers and expand your knowledge and expertise only at Atchison Academy.